This episode of the Root and Stem podcast features data scientist Brianna Brownell and science and tech writer Jessa Gamble. Brianna shares her thoughts about the risks and benefits of AI, including a hopeful view of the future. Jessa speaks on the evolution of technology in the Canadian North and the relationship between AI and human nature. You're listening to the Root and Stem podcast, a podcast exploring issues and stories in STEAM education. On this episode of the Root and Stem podcast, we explore the ways artificial intelligence learns and how it affects the way we live. I'm Brianna Brownell. I'm a data scientist and entrepreneur and have been interested in AI my whole life and have been lucky enough to have started working in it uh, in the last couple years. There are a few different kinds of machine learning out there. Um, depending on whether or not you have some kind of outcome in mind. So a lot of that is supervised learning where the model essentially can use that outcome in order to train itself to sort of figure out that outcome. But I think the more interesting area of machine learning is unsupervised learning because in unsupervised learning, you don't have that outcome. And so you have emerging patterns in the data that you can find. There are a lot of areas of risk and a lot of people that are giving a lot of thought to some of those ethical questions. I mean, biases is an area that a lot of people are concerned with because what it means is the outcome of a machine learning system doesn't necessarily treat everyone the same way. And so you have problems where certain groups are less likely to have a certain prediction about them. So credit scores, for example, you can have systematically uh, groups that are um, having lower credit scores, not because they have worse credit risk, but because the model is biased in its prediction for that group. I think that the promise of AI is that it can augment the decision-making of humans. And so by using some of these modeling techniques, we can actually get a better outcome than humans can alone. I use a number of different AI techniques in creating art. And what it allows me to do is to be able to quickly iterate on an idea rather than spending a lot of time in sort of the sketching and prep work. So what I love about the AI art creation methodologies is that it can surprise you as an artist. You know, it's hard to imagine a master painter that is surprised by the sketch and the painting that they make, but I feel like I'm surprised all the time. One thing I wanted to, to mention is that I, I really do think that the barriers around working with artificial intelligence are really coming down a lot. When I first started in the data science area, it was really difficult to find data. It was difficult to have enough computing power to be able to actually create any kind of machine learning model. But all of that is really highly available right now. And so Although I think that there are definitely still barriers, 
a lot of those barriers have really come down in the last little while. And I see that is definitely going to continue into the future as well. The area that I'm finding really exciting in AI right now is there's sort of two areas. The first one is, as I mentioned earlier, trying to find those emergent patterns in data um, and having that element of surprise. So being able to find something that you wouldn't necessarily have otherwise been able to find. And the other area is in the new language modeling methodology. Language has always been extremely difficult to work with. And so there are more and more teams that are coming up with better and better tools to work with that kind of data. So from a technological standpoint, those are the two areas that I'm excited about. My name is Jessa Gamble. I have really no title as it pertains to this other than I suppose I am a science and technology writer. Brianna and I formed this creative partnership that got me really interested in AI, which is an area that I had not specifically, you know, I'd touched on it before in various pieces. But um, no, my, my science and tech has never really focused on AI before I met Brianna. And then it just became this awesome kind of collaboration. I lived up in the subarctic for about a decade. I was working for a magazine called Up Here. And that covers all of the territories. And so I was able to travel through Nunavut. I went up to Eureka High, High Arctic Weather Station and uh, down to this muskox sanctuary. And like, I, so I did quite a lot of traveling, but I was based in Yellowknife. I wouldn't necessarily know if there were AI things going on there, but it, it certainly was not something that caught my attention. There are actually sort of a, there's a disproportional amount of research going on there, even though there's, there's no university up there, except for now Yukon College has gone degree granting, but it's it's like a post-secondary desert uh, in some ways. I suppose, as with any form of sort of imposition of stuff that's going on elsewhere, I think there's a sense that this needs to be sort of locally led, and it needs to be something that people want for themselves and for their children, etc. You almost have to step back away from the assumption that this is necessarily some good thing that everybody should know and have access, like access. When I when we talk about access, it's almost like embedded in the word access is this sort of notion that everybody should want something or, you know, or needs it. And especially when it comes down to sort of like the residential schooling legacy and so on, there's like a really conflicted relationship with education in general and also some problematic history with science and research. And so I think, yeah, the barriers would be in those sorts of paradigm shifts where, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of kids who would find this area fascinating, but it's not without complexity. If AI is going to be a facet of everyday life, I mean, Brianna and I talk all the time about making sure that kids as they come up feel empowered to be shapers of this technology as opposed to just users of it. That's something that is a complete attitudinal sea change that makes you feel so differently about something. And the danger is that, you know, we get into the age of like properly the age of AI and all kinds of things are much more convenient for us and yet we just have no idea of how they're done 
And so it sort of infantilizes us all. And, you know, we become just vulnerable and incompetent. And that's the opposite from what we would like. I mean, in some ways, given that technology is sort of a facet of culture, you kind of have to look at culture itself. So culture is a facet of human nature in turn, right? But it also allows us to override aspects of, let's say, our biology, right? One of my areas of expertise is sleep. And we all have sort of pretty universal circadian rhythms around the world. But what we do with that underlying biology, culturally, technologically, is always different. So, you know, the advent of cheap artificial lighting that we can use to sort of make nighttime a time when you can do more than like stumble around in the dark and or sleep um, has changed our behavior completely so that many people are awake only at night, let's say for night shifts and so on. That's a change in human nature. It's a fundamental difference. Um, and we've effectively sort of colonized the night. So one would expect with the development of an area like AI, which is such a broad area of potential change, we'll have the option, whether we take it or not, to um, change ourselves in quite interesting ways. I think one area that really sort of fascinates me is this idea of collaborating with a non-human entity. And this is something that actually there's a long history of. So, you know, until recently, everybody knew basically how to communicate with horses in a relatively simple way, how to predict their behavior, how to work with them, how to collaborate on a project with a horse, right? Whether it's getting you from A to B or, you know, wrangling cows or whatever everyone does. Dogs, right? You know, we have a long history of doing things together with dogs and trying to achieve an aim. So when it comes to these creations of our own, um, the interaction of this sort of foreign type of mind, as kind of a sci-fi kid, I'm sure I have a lot of kind of like ingrained wrong ideas about how AI works. It's not to say AI won't work that way in the future, though, <laughs> um, in, the, in the sense that you would have a real sense of, of this sort of other. And that fascinates me in my little sort of like futurist mind. For more about artificial intelligence, check out the Root and Stem magazine at pingua.com or download this podcast on your streaming platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google. <laughs>